Welcome to the Progressive Property Podcast. Helping you invest in property for freedom, choice and profit. You'll learn new, innovative and multiple streams of property income. Whether you want to start, scale or systemize. And even if you don't have deposits. Hi, Kevin McDonald here and welcome to the Progressive Property Podcast. In this week's episode of the podcast, I'd like to talk about something that's everyone's most hated subject, tax, and the government tax changes that many people say are killing their property business. And I'd like to put a different spin on it because the reality is there's always been government tax changes right down through history and there always will be in the future. And yet people still have always made money and always will make money. What you have to do is not worry and panic about government tax changes, but you've got to roll with the punches and you've got to spot the opportunity that comes out of these changes. Because where one person sees it as a problem, somebody else will see it as a massive opportunity. So I thought today I'd share with you some of the big opportunities Opportunities that are going to come out of all the government tax changes over the last few years. Okay, so one of the things that many people have worried about mainly in property investing is the Section 24 tax. Now, if you're watching this and you don't know what the Section 24 tax is, it's basically been named the landlord tax. So if you own property in your personal name, not your own home, but investment property in your personal name, and you've got a mortgage on it, prior to the Section 24 tax been introduced, you would be able to offset the mortgage interest cost as a tax deductible expense. So for instance, if you rented a house out for £500 a month, and you had an interest-only mortgage of £300, your profit would be £200, and your interest-only mortgage payment of 300 was able to be offset as a tax-deductible expense. Section 24 removed mortgage interest rate relief, which means that if you've got the same house today that rents for £500 with an interest-only mortgage of £300, then your profit is now £500, not £200. You're taxed on the entire amount. And many people with properties in their personal names are panicking about this and not knowing what to do. One of the ways that you can avoid this that many people don't realize is you could run that property as serviced accommodation. See, short-term holiday lets, serviced accommodation, is not seen as a, a normal property investment technique, which means that the mortgage interest rate relief under the serviced accommodation strategy is tax deductible. So you could rent it out for the £500 a month or more on an SA strategy, but be able to offset the £300 interest-only mortgage as a tax deductible expense again. Number two is, you might be thinking and watching this and going, well, that's great, but I don't have a property but other people do. So you could approach other landlords and say you'd run the property for them as serviced accommodation and they could offset the cost of their mortgage if you were to do that. Or there's another way if you do own the property. You can actually take your properties and you could incorporate them into a limited company. Now, you can get what's called incorporation relief. You can move the properties from your personal name into a limited company 
You will have to pay the stamp duty, but you will avoid capital gains tax. Not only will you avoid capital gains tax, but the properties are moved at today's value. So when they go into the company, they're valued at today's value, and then you avoid the gain. So if you sell that in the future, you will pay tax on the difference between the sale price and the price that it was moved at. So it's a huge tax benefit to buy to move properties from your personal name into a limited company. Now, if you're looking to buy more property, you should always be buying them within your personal name. Now, I mentioned about service accommodation being a good advantage of running a property that you currently own personally to benefit from avoiding the Section 24 tax. However, if you are buying properties going forward, even if you're going to run them as serviced accommodation, I would recommend you buy them within a limited company structure. Here's why. You might decide that you're going to run it as SA for the next three, four, five years. But what if you change your mind? What if the strategy gets oversupplied? What if there's legislation changes in the government? Because we know they like to make legislation changes. Then you've got a property where they might change some structure around it. If it's in a limited company then you are automatically avoiding Section 24 tax no matter what strategy you use. If it's in your personal name, you're only avoiding it as SA. So always purchase within limited companies and it gives you more opportunity to change strategy in the future and not have to worry about the tax implication of that change. A lot of property investors are also paying way too much tax. And the reason they're paying way too much tax is because they have an accountant and not a tax advisor. Now, apologies to any accountants watching this. Um, I'm going to get a lot of hate for what I'm about to say. But an accountant is a tax collector for the government. They are not a tax helper for the person they do the accounts for. What happens with an accountant is they ask you to give them your books. So you might have a bookkeeper or the accountant might be your bookkeeper and they take the information that you give them and they prepare your accounts for the government. They submit the accounts to HMRC and then they get paid to submit your accounts and HMRC will tax you on the profit. An accountant is somebody who does your books as a tax collector for the government, aka bean counter. Apologies guys, but you do not want an accountant. You need a tax specialist. A tax specialist, a tax advisor, will take your accounts that have been prepared by your accountant, look at them, and say, you could do X, Y, or Z to reduce your tax liability, to avoid tax. I know so many people that when I meet them, they realize, having spent a bit of time talking to me, that they've paid way too much tax. They're not offsetting everything they could. Now, when I was in a job, I would earn money, pay my taxes before I even seen the money. The company, my employer, would remove the tax from my income. They would just pay me my money post-tax. If you're in a job, that's what you are getting. You are receiving interest. If you love to travel like me and you understand the power in escaping the money for time exchange trap, but you just don't know how to do it, then building an Airbnb consultancy business could be exactly what you have been looking for. Right now in the UK, 
there is a completely untapped opportunity through helping struggling Airbnb hosts by turning around their underperforming properties and generating you huge commission payments in the process. We are going to teach you all of the tools and all of the techniques that we've learned over the last five years through building our very own multiple six-figure Airbnb business, arming you with everything that you need to swoop in and save the day. Minimal startup costs, zero risk, and almost unlimited potential. Sound good? Welcome to the Airbnb Consultant. Contact us through any of the channels included in the studio notes to get the conversation started. your bank account, the money after the tax is already paid. Then you live, then you buy your mobile phone, then you run your car, then you spend money on everything in your life. It's post-tax money. But if you run a business and property is a business, you run your business and pay tax on everything after cost. So for instance, my mobile phone is needed to run my property business. I need to take calls from tenants. I need to have calls with investors. I got to go to business meetings, networking meetings. I can claim 40p a mile driving to a house to do a viewing or to do an inspection or to do anything property related, going to networking events, going to events. It's all tax deductible. So we make a profit. We can run our property through our limited company to make sure the mortgage is tax deductible. We then have the rest of our profit. That profit, we can run our laptops, our mobile phones. We can run mileage on our cars or we could even buy the car within a limited company if it's an electric car and avoid benefiting kind. You see, most people don't want to buy company cars because they get hit with massive benefiting kind tax or BIK. However, there is government incentives right now where you can run an electric car through a limited company and you can offset the entire cost of that car, the purchase, the leasing if you wish to lease it, the tires, the maintenance, anything and everything around it. In fact, I've got an electric car and I was able to fit an electric car charger in my own home and it's a tax deductible expense as well. Everything can be run through the business and the benefit in kind tax on electric car is just 1%. So it's massively, massively financially viable to run an electric car through a limited company. If you still are a lover of diesel or petrol, then you could purchase or lease and ideally lease a car in your personal name and then charge 45p a mile for the first 10,000 miles and claim back the mileage. Until I had an electric car, I was claiming 7 to 10 grand a year as mileage costs running it through my business. Many people as property investors, you're driving all over the city, all over your town, all over the country, and you're not tracking your mileage and claiming your mileage. I've got a simple app on my phone called Mile IQ, and it literally tracks the mileage for me. So I don't need to be going on Google and working out what distance I drove. The app just tracks it all for me, and I submit it to HMRC, and I get that money back. There are so many other expenses you can offset as a property investor. So literally anything you could think of. You can have business meetings. You can have your annual management review in another country. There's so much stuff that you can run through your company as a tax-deductible expense. Your education, your trainings. If you're subscribed to any magazines like, say, uh, network magazines, any programs, if you buy books, if you buy audio series, anything like this. If you're attending a networking event and you're 
staying in a hotel. It is all tax deductible. It's continuous professional development. It is accommodation while you're away from home. And you can even claim the mileage to get there. The whole thing is tax deductible. You can live your life running a business or you can live your life as part of somebody else's business. The great thing about being a business owner and especially a property business owner is that you can earn, live and pay tax on what's left. Now, do not do any of what I'm telling you to do without independent tax advice. It is different for everybody. So I'm opening the door and opening your mind to things that you can do. But make sure that you don't do your own self-assessment. Make sure you're not doing your own company tax return. Hire a good tax advisor. Many people will say, oh, tax advisors are expensive. No, not having one is truly expensive. One of the other things I hear a lot of people panicking about is Section 21. So Section 21 is where tenants can be evicted from a property under no fault of theirs. So there's two methods of evicting a tenant should you need to go to court. Number one is a Section 8, which is what's called a fault eviction. And number two is at Section 21, which is a no-fault eviction. Now, there is a government white paper and a plan to remove Section 21 no-fault evictions. Now, a lot of people are worried about this and panicking about this and saying, oh, if they remove Section 21, it's going to be the end of buy-to-let. I'm actually a big fan of the Section 21 being abolished. And here's why. The government believe that there's way too many people being evicted from homes under Section 21s for no fault of their own. The reality is, I've got over 100 properties, we've got over 300 tenants between singlets and HMOs, and I have never evicted a tenant under no fault of their own. However, I have, on many occasions, used Section 21s. Here's why. Because the Section 8 fault eviction process, and a fault eviction is non-payment of rent, anti-social behaviour, anything where the tenant is not doing what they should be doing under the terms of the contract. But the problem is the Section 8 process is too draconial, too difficult to prove, and it's just an absolute ball ache of a problem, while a Section 21, you can just easily get rid of the tenant because you don't need to prove a problem. With a Section 8, you've got to prove the tenant has done a problem. With a Section 21, you can just evict them. Now, if you do go down the Section 8 route and you win the case, you can then chase the tenant for the rent arrears or the damages. If you go down the Section 21 route, you're not able to chase them for the rent arrears or the damages because you're saying we're evicting them for no fault. It's easier to do that, though. Here's the reality. Most landlords, including myself, have always used Section 21 and laid at the loss of not getting their rent arrears or their damage because they wanted the house back quicker. This means that actually many, if not most, of the Section 21 evictions are not actually no-fault evictions. They're actually fault evictions that have been classed incorrectly because landlords needed to use that process because the Section 8 was so terrible. The plans at the moment by the government is to get rid of the Section 21 eviction and improve the Section 8 process. Now, here's my belief. Why would you want to evict a good 
paying tenant who's looking after your property. It should be their home. And if you're going to sell that house, and most people will say, well, if I want to sell the house, well, if you're going to sell the house, why would you not just sell it with a tenant in place? Many people, many investors would love to buy a property with a good tenant. Better the devil you know. I've bought many houses with tenants already in those properties. I don't need to find a tenant. I don't need to worry about that property. If you've got a good paying tenant, keep that tenant. I see so many people on social media saying um, they want properties with vacant possession. They don't want to take on a tenant that's already there. From my point of view, are they a good tenant? Are they a paying tenant? Why would you get rid of them and risk finding your own that might not be good or might not pay? So I've got no issues whatsoever with getting rid of Section 21. What I actually are excited about is the improvement to the Section 8 process. There will be easier to evict tenants under Section 8, and that also means that there will be easier methods to be able to get their interiors back, to be able to chase them for any damages, and it will be better overall for landlords. You have got to realise that the Section 21 process is broken and been used in the wrong way, and once it's got rid of, the courts will be freed up to deal with more important matters such as the actual problem tenants. So we've talked about the benefits of getting rid of Section 21 because a lot of people just talk about the negatives. Here's the problem with the world. There's too many negative people and it is only positive people that will take positive action. You have a choice. You can be negative or positive. But here's the thing. You cannot be both at the same time. I choose positivity. Positivity will lead you to growth. Negativity will lead you to distress. Now, we've also spoke about the tax changes, the benefits of the tax changes, everything from taxing on cars to offsetting expenses to the Section 24 tax and the benefits of the Section 24 tax. Because when taxes have people fearful, it gives more opportunities to those that are educated and knowing what they're doing. And I also often hear from people that there's no point ever making money because even if you make it, the government are just going to take it off you when you die because of inheritance tax. Well, inheritance tax, any tax, by the way, is paid on profit. I've spoken at property events. I do a lot of coaching, a lot of mentoring. I've spoken at property events and talked about how, you know, I've made 50 grand on this deal or 100 grand on this deal. And you'll have somebody in the audience put their hand up and say, oh, yeah, you know, you said you made 50 grand on that deal. Well, what about the tax? Well, tax is paid on profit. So what are you actually saying? I don't want to make 50 grand profit because I might have to take pay tax. So what I'm going to do is I'm not going to do property. I'm not going to make a profit because I might have to pay tax. What I'm going to do is I'm going to stay in my job and pay tax anyway. The problem is you're paying tax before you see the money, but in property, that 50 grand profit, you can offset your expenses before you pay tax on what's left. But then there will still be that inheritance tax, the death tax. Well, there's lots of ways to avoid inheritance tax as well. You could have a will or no will. And by the way, this is what the government wants you to have, either no will or a will. Why? Because if you do, your estate will go to probate. And probate is a tax collection method for the government. The wealthy, the most educated, they don't use wills. 
they either gift their assets to the next generation or they use trusts. They put their assets in a trust fund to protect it from inheritance tax. Now, if you have property and you gift it to your children, your grandchildren, or to somebody, a partner, whatever it may be, and you live for seven years, there is no inheritance tax to pay. So you could just gift your assets to the next generation, live seven years and pay no tax. Now you could get it wrong, you could time it wrong. Maybe some people will gift it, only live three, four, five years. Well, what happens is it is ratcheted. The tax ratchets down depending on how many years you live between that zero and seven. So the sooner you gift the asset, the less tax you'll pay. Or you could move them into a trust fund to ring fence it from tax. There's loads of different things you can do. Again, independent tax advice, not accountant advice. Another great way to reduce your inheritance tax bill. And by the way, if you've got residential home, husband and wife, they can have an inheritance tax-free allowance of around 325 grand each. So let's call it 350 grand each. Let's call it 700 grand. And everything over 700 grand, they got up your your ears to your wealth will have to pay 40% plus tax. Now let's say that you've got a 1 million pound home and you pay your mortgage down to zero. If you've got that million pound home or property investment and you pay the tax down to zero, then you will have a million pound inheritance for your children. So your children get a million pound inheritance. The first 700 odd grand is tax free. The next 300, you're going to pay 40% inheritance tax on it. But you could refinance your property while you're alive. You could take out a 60, 70, 75% mortgage on your property. Let's say you took a 75% mortgage, borrowed 750 grand while you're alive and gave it to your children or enjoyed it with your children. At the point of death, the equity is just 250 grand. Inheritance tax is not paid on debt. It is paid on equity, meaning that same million pound home now has zero inheritance tax. So where your tax bill would have been over 100 grand, now the tax bill is zero because you took a debt on the property, a mortgage, to reduce the equity while you were alive. But you could also run your properties through a limited company. Now, running it through a limited company, you can make your children shareholders of that company. They can own the shares. And as you get older and older in life, you can start to pass shares over to your children completely tax-free. So over a period of time, they become the shareholder of that company. The properties are not being sold. There's no stamp duty. There's no inheritance. The director has passed away. The current shareholders and directors are still alive, your kids. The thing about property investing and wealth generation is that the educated know how to not only make the money, they also know how to keep the money. There is so much on tax, so much that you can know, need to know, want to know. The reality is the reason most people never become wealthy is because they never educate themselves. Make sure that you're 
attending events, learning about property. We run numerous different property investment education events, helping and teaching people, many of them completely free. And speaking of free, if you want to learn how you can scale a property business in 2023, there's a completely free report in the pinned comment. If you want to learn how you can run a property investment business right now, there's a completely free report in the description that you can download and start to learn how you can scale your property business today. Also, if you want to learn more about property investing, then on the Progressive Property YouTube channel, I am doing weekly videos on all things property investing. Many of the other progressive trainers are in there doing videos on property investing deals that we are working on, deals that we are doing. Join the Progressive Property YouTube channel, head over there, subscribe, and don't miss out on all of the available content. You've been listening to the Progressive Property Podcast. I've been Kevin McDonald. You've been amazing. See you next time.